are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. All right, take your Bible, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 1, please, tonight. 1 Timothy chapter number 1. Well, we've made it. This is the final service of 2020, and through it all, we can say God has been good. In spite of, God has been good, and God can't help be anything but good. Goodness is just who He is. God's not just good because of what He does. He's good because He's God. It's going to be in church on Wednesday night. Thank you for being faithful, for finishing out the year right, and then let's pray that we can start it right on Sunday, back in church again, anticipating and looking for what God wants to do. We're coming to the end of a year. It's a great time to review the last year. It's a great time to kind of uh, renew some things, restore some things, reset some things, and then go forward and asking God to do and so much the more. You got to set some goals for 2021 for your area of ministry, for your life, for your job. You have to set goals. In Christianity, if you don't set goals, you'll die spiritually. And you got to set goals, set goals that you can reach. Don't set unattainable goals, but set goals that you can reach and then watch as God helps you reach those goals and then set more goals and go on for God. And I'm praying that God will use 2021 in our life, the life of our church, let us see even greater things than we've ever seen before. Now tonight we're going to continue in our series that Brother Bertram started several weeks ago. And really the central theme, the focus of that series is Jesus Christ. I tell you, there's some things you can overemphasize. There's some dead horses you can beat, but you can't overemphasize. You'll never preach enough this theme or this truth that we're focusing on for these Wednesday night series. Now, tonight, as I was preparing, I wanted to prepare to be on topic, and the topic is the coming of Christ, not the second coming, but Christmas, His first advent. But also knowing that this is our last service together, I want to make sure it's appropriate and applicable for that as well. And I believe that we'll find it tonight in 1 Timothy. As Paul wrote to Timothy about days that he'd be serving in and ministering in, he talks about perilous times, people who'd rise up in the church and be against him. He talked about apathy and different things. Paul gives Timothy a statement, a message, really the entire Bible contained in a verse. And I think it's appropriate, it was for Timothy's day and so much the more in our day, and I want us to see it tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, and you can read it with me. The Bible said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul's writing to Timothy, and I like the way he starts out this verse. He uses this phrase several times as he writes his epistles, and he says, this is a faithful saying. That means you can trust it, you can depend upon it, you can put stock in it, take it to the bank. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That means you might miss other things, but don't miss this. You might skim over some things, but don't skim over this. You might neglect some things, but don't neglect this. Hey, this is worth paying attention to. In perilous times, you need to pay attention to this. When people rise up against you, you better pay attention to this. In days that are difficult, Last day's kind of situations, you want to pay attention to this. You might miss it all, but don't miss this. Here's the next statement. Christ Jesus came. For a little while tonight, I want to close out 2020 and 
nudge us into 2021 and preach on this thought. Hey, hey, you're going to want to pay attention to this. Jesus came. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts tonight. I pray that you'd give us such liberty here in the parking lot to preach, also to participate as we sit in our chairs. We know church is not a spectator thing. It's a participation thing. So I pray that you'd meet with us, move amongst us, give us a great Wednesday night. Lord, thank you for the good weather. It's chilly, but it's dry. And I pray that we would never cease to give you thanks for being so good in our life. Thank you for the last year, things you've taught us, things you've brought us through. God, I pray that you direct our steps into a new year. Bless our church. I pray for revival in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. Lester Roloff made a song famous, at least he made it famous to me. He had a radio broadcast called the Family Altar Program. I was talking to Clyde Eburn, who runs the Fundamental Broadcasting Network, and he said folks still call their church to speak to Lester Roloff and Oliver B. Green. He said they don't know that those men have been dead for a long time. He said usually they call ticked off and say they want to give him a piece of his mind. They said, well, you'll have to get saved and go to heaven if you want to talk to him about that. But he would sing this song many times, and I want to read the word. I was going to say sing it to you. That'd be a blessing, wouldn't it? I want to read it to you tonight. The last phrase of each verse starts the same. It says, one sat alone beside the highway begging. His eyes were blind, the light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the shadows. Then Jesus came and bade his darkness flee. From home and friends, the evil spirit drove him. Among the tombs, he dwelt in misery. He cut himself, his demon powers possessed him. Then Jesus came and set the captive free. Unclean, unclean, the leper cried in torment. The deaf, the dumb, and helplessness stood near. The fever raged, disease had gripped its victim. Then Jesus came and cast out every fear. So men today have found the Savior able. They could not conquer passion, lust, or sin. Their broken hearts had left them sad and lonely. Then Jesus came and dwelt himself within. And then the chorus says, when Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and fills the life with glory. For all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. I like the way they begin the last line of every verse in that song. Then Jesus came. Bethlehem is ordinarily a small, quiet, and quaint Judean town. There's nothing much to draw the attention of the world around it there. Up to this point, the claim to fame for Bethlehem was it's the ancestral city of David. But most men would have put that truth far back in their minds by now. A decree has gone forth from Caesar Augustus that all the world is to be taxed. Now his Jewish subjects travel from all across the province to the city of their forefathers to register as Roman citizens. Suddenly, Bethlehem is very noisy, it's very busy, and it's very crowded. The people pack the streets. Roman soldiers patrol through the crowds. Donkeys bray as they pull wooden carts down the cobbled stone roads. Families are being reunited. Old friends are being reacquainted. Roman soldiers patrol through the crowds with their swords hanging by their sides. Children run in and out of the crowd. The market's packed. The streets are jammed. The inn in Bethlehem is filled to capacity. That day is very busy. It's very noisy and it's very crowded. But the night is another story altogether. While the masses of travelers are tucked away in their comfortable accommodations, the cry of a newborn baby resounds within the wooden walls of a lowly manger. This new mother has been forced to take shelter for the night in the Bethlehem stable due to the crowds. There are no doctors present. 
There are no friends to welcome the new arrival. The waiting room is not packed with anxious families, but animals look on as this new mother rocks her baby boy in her arms. The scene is not busy, but calm. It's not noisy, but still. A star shines above Bethlehem with the radiance unlike any other star that's ever interrupted the night sky before. As busy as the day had been is how peaceful the night now is. There in the quiet hour of the night, with angels watching in anticipation, Mary whispers her baby's name. It's a name above every name. It's a name unlike any other name. It's a name that will be light to those who sit in darkness, a name that will set the captive free. There in that holy moment, Mary looks down to the face of that boy and she whispers his name and she says, Jesus. Precious name. Oh, how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Mary announces it to the world. Christ Jesus came. In the fields outside of Bethlehem, shepherds are tending their flocks. Suddenly the shepherds are interrupted by an angel that announces to them, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. All of a sudden the fields outside of Bethlehem echo with the voice of the heavenly hosts as they announce to the world in essence, Christ Jesus came. I believe the sweetest words that could ever fall from the lips of man or angel are those three words, Christ Jesus came. I can think of no greater declaration to voice out into this world than the words we find in 1 Timothy 1.15. I wish every news organization would report it. I wish every paper would print it. I wish every social media feed was filled with it. I wish every billboard on every highway in America would advertise it. I wish every preacher would faithfully preach it to his congregation. Christ Jesus came. Can I say that statement is more powerful than any phrase you'll find in our Constitution? And it's more lovely than any line you'll sing in our national anthem. I thank God for we the people, but that cannot compare to Christ Jesus came. I thank God for or the land of the free and the home of the brave, but that can't, can't compare to Christ Jesus came. That's better than four score and seven years ago. That's better than tear down that wall. That's better than one giant leap for mankind. You can't touch it. You can't compare to Christ Jesus came. Tonight, God has allotted each of us a certain number of heartbeats and a certain number of breaths. And I believe many days we waste those heartbeats and we spend those breaths on vain things. But can I say breath is never wasted and a day is never wasted when you spend that day and you spend those breaths uttering that statement, Christ Jesus came. It's an amazing sentence. It's an authoritative sentence. It's a sentence that states an awesome fact. In 1 Timothy 1.15, you find your entire Bible encapsulated in just a single verse and tonight I want it to hit us not in the head but hit us in the heart as we think about this statement this is a faithful saying and it's worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief thank God Jesus came could there be any better news than that Jesus came could there be any better truth to preach Jesus came let it resound throughout 
throughout earth. Let it ring the bells of heaven. Let it reverberate down in hell. Thank God that Jesus came. The saints ought to rejoice. The angels ought to shout. All the ones uh, in the grave that have been resurrected, hey, they ought to rejoin in the uh, Jesus came. Thank God he came. Thank God for that. With confident tone we can say it. As sure as the sun is hot or water is wet or the desert's dry or snow is cold, you can say it tonight. Rest in it tonight. You can take it to the bank tonight that Jesus came. Thank God for Jesus. Now when you study your Bible you ought to study it. I, I wrote it down. When you study your Bible in its entirety, you ought to study your Bible entirely through the lens of Jesus. If he's not on the page, obviously he's there in essence. On every page of your Bible, you'll find his power. You'll find his passion. You'll find his grace. You'll find his love. You'll find his character displayed on every page in the scripture. In fact, if you study a page of your Bible and you don't find Jesus there, you really didn't study that page in your Bible because take it to the bank, Jesus is there. In the Old Testament, David penned not speaking of himself, but speaking of the heavenly David that would come. He said, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. Tonight, this Bible is really just a volume that talks about the fact that Jesus is coming, that Jesus came, and Jesus is coming again. In fact, tonight, we could take our Bible and divide it up into three big, broad sections, and we could divide it Genesis to Malachi. Jesus is coming. We could divide it from uh, Matthew through Acts chapter 1, Jesus came and then we're living in Acts 1 through the end of the book of Revelation and we could uh, define that one as Jesus is coming again. All throughout this book you find Jesus from cover to cover. You find Christ from opening line to closing. Amen. It's all about Him. Jesus through and through. Thank God that He came. Now Christ existed from before the beginning. But from the very beginning of recorded history, the message has been preached. He's coming like a golden thread that weaves its way through the words of every Old Testament verse. That message of hope and expectation glistens off of every page in your Bible. For Israel, that golden strand pointed to a coming Messiah and a promised kingdom. But for you and I today, with the uh, luxury of the New Testament, know that not just a king was coming, but thank God a Savior is coming. Christ was in the beginning as creator. And as creator, he gave sinless man life by his breath. But soon man fell into transgression. And now we have the message that he'll be coming to give sinful man eternal life through his blood. You see, running with, in tandem with that golden thread of his coming is a crimson thread. He's coming to die upon Calvary. I think about that song, born to die upon Calvary. He's being born my sins to forgive. Just as this book reveals to us that Jesus is coming, it reveals to us that he's coming for an old rugged cross to die and pay for the sins of the world. You start in the beginning and you find that God put Adam and Eve in a perfect place. They had a perfect opportunity but they messed it up and fell into sin. Adam and Eve tried to cover their own shame and sin by their own means. They tried to take fig leaves and cover their transgression but God set the precedent that there are no works that we can do that can justify us in the eyes of God. Blood must be shed to atone 
going for sin. The very first preacher to ever preach he's coming was God the Father himself. As God sacrificed that animal there in the garden and got those skins and he imputed it, he covered, he wrapped that sin of Adam and Eve up in that skin provided by that animal. Can I say it takes the shedding of blood to give remission of sin. That message of he's coming began to get preached in the Garden of Eden. Every day Adam and Eve lived with those skins. It was a reminder, he's coming and God set the principle, the precedent. It takes blood to atone for the sins of mankind. From that day forward, blood was shed. All throughout your Bible you'll find that there's blood being shed as innocent animals gave their life to pay temporarily for the sins of man. You see, a temporal sacrifice yields a temporal atonement, but the wages of sin is an eternal wage and thus needed an eternal atonement. You'll find that these animals were sacrificed over and over, uh, bulls and, and sheep and goats and doves and others, and their blood was shed, but all of that was just type. All of that was just shadow pointing to the fact that another would come and shed blood once and for all to atone for the sins of man. The Old Testament message is this, he is coming. Noah heard the message, he is coming. As he entered into that ark, only one way in and found God was within there. It was pitched on the inside and out with pitch so the judgment couldn't get in and Noah couldn't get out. And it preached to him that he's coming. Abraham heard the message that he's coming. As he climbed up Mount Moriah, he was told to sacrifice his only son. He put the wood upon his shoulders. Isaac bore that burden up the mountain. He laid him on the altar with his burden. That knife was a hair's breadth from his breast when all of a sudden God provided himself a lamb. Abraham looked and saw a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Can I say a ram knows better than to go through a thicket? God put that ram in that thicket. God provided a sacrifice, a substitute, one who could die in the stead of Isaac and that preaches to us that he is coming. Moses heard the preaching that he's coming as he watched the blood be put on the doorpost in Egypt. I can see it as every Israel family, Israelite family took a lamb, a spotless lamb, a pure lamb and slit its throat and it was shed its blood and they took that blood and they applied it to the doorpost of their homes. Every house that had the blood applied, the death angel passed over. Judgment didn't come and that was a message. He's coming. You can read it in the Old Testament as they cleansed the leper. As the priest went outside the camp, not without a sacrifice, he went to where the leper was and he took that living bird and he killed it and he took its blood and dipped another bird in the blood of that bird that had been killed and he applied it to that leper seven times picturing perfect covering complete covering and he covered that leper in the blood and then he took that living bird covered in the blood representing the condemnation of that leper and he let that living bird loose and all of a sudden that leper realized a sacrifice died for him and then a sacrifice was rising for him and carried his condemnation away and the Bible's teaching us that he is coming. The day of atonement preaches that he's coming as that high priest would enter into that holy place and he'd take those two goats and cast lots and one goat was sacrificed and the other he'd take his hands and lay upon it and impute that sin of those people onto that goat and then a man made for the purpose would take that goat outside the city and release him in the wilderness signifying their sin was gone to be remembered no more all throughout the Bible in the Old Testament we have the message that he is 
coming. It says he's coming as they raised up judges to deliver Israel. It preached he's coming as they ran to the city of refuge. It preached he's coming as they looked and observed the high feast days. They preached he's coming outside the walls of Jericho. The captain of the Lord's host, Ezekiel, saw that he's coming in that wheel, inside of the wheel. All throughout the Bible it's preached in the promise to Abraham. It said he's coming in that birth of Isaac. It said he's coming in the despising, rejection, and exaltation of Joseph. It was preached he is coming in the redemption of Ruth by Boaz from Bethlehem. It is preached he is coming. He's coming. The anointed of David in the establishing of his throne forever. It was preached he is coming. Isaiah preached it 700 years before he came. He said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And Isaiah 53, he says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness and we shall see him. There's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Every Old Testament prophet from Ezekiel to Job, Jeremiah to Micah, all preached the message. He is coming. You run the Old Testament road and you find billboards on every side of the highway from the smitten rock uh, there in Horeb from that manna that came down from the sky to every color of every piece of furniture in the tabernacle and temple. It all preaches to us that he's coming. In the Old Testament, we learn his name. In the Old Testament, we learn where he's going to get born. In the Old Testament, we hear about his kinship. In the Old Testament, we read about his character. We read about his death and his resurrection. In the Old Testament, the message is he's coming. But can I say I'm glad we don't stop it. He's coming. I'm glad we have a New Testament that shows us he came. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. The Old Testament tells us about a root that will come forth out of dry ground. But in the New Testament, we watch as that root bursts forth from the dry ground. Now grace has hands, love has eyes, mercy has a voice, Holiness takes on human form. The word is made flesh and he dwells among us after generation and generation and generation of no fresh revelation in the midst of religious formalism in a day of darkness and government oppression, a day in need of much hope, Jesus Christ was born. I think about the song we sing, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Our text tonight doesn't suggest it. It declares it. Christ Jesus came. In Bethlehem, the shadow of the old gave way to the substance of the new. The type is replaced by the antitype. Forecast gave way to broadcast. And the world is invaded by Emmanuel, God with 
us. I think most of the Old Testament prophets must be envious of John the Baptist, that last Old Testament prophet, because he's the bridge builder. He's the golf spanner. He got to preach, prepare the way, and then he got to preach, behold the lamb. And can I say, that's where we're at tonight. As we journey from Old Testament to New Testament, we go from prepare the way to behold the lamb. And I'm glad tonight we can preach it. And it's very pertinent and it's very important. You got to pay attention to it. It's a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came. You see, Paul's writing to Timothy and Paul's using this verse to get across a powerful point to this young preacher. He begins that statement with that statement rather and it says this is a faithful saying and it's worthy of all acceptation and in essence he's saying this Timothy, you might miss some things but I don't want you to miss this. You might overlook some things but don't you overlook this. You might not preach some things but you better preach this. I want you to tune in. Don't touch that dial. Same state stay here. Hey, this is a faithful saying. It's worthy of all acceptation. Don't let it drop. Don't you forget it that Jesus has come. Don't miss it. Don't forget it. Don't get over it. Christ Jesus came. It's interesting. I mentioned it in my introductory comments. Timothy is going to be living in last days type circumstances like we are. Timothy is going to face hardship and trial. He's going to have wolves attempting to destroy his church. He'd find himself living in perilous times. He'd pastor in a day that wouldn't be very envious to pastor in. And it's almost as though Paul knew what Timothy would need. Timothy, you're going to need this when people turn against you. You're going to need this when the sun's not as bright. You're going to need this when days get difficult. You're going to need this when there's problems in your church. You're going to need this when you're not that popular. You're going to need this when sin is abounding. You're going to need this in perilous days. Timothy, tuck it away in your heart and don't overlook it and don't forget it and preach it as much as you can. Christ Jesus came in perilous times. It's good to know that Jesus came in dark days. It's good to know that Jesus came when people rise up. It's good to know that that Jesus came just as he promised, just as it was prophesied, just as sin demanded. Thank God Jesus came. I think about what the Bible says, as in Adam all die, but in Christ shall all be made alive. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth the son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Thank God. God, that Jesus came. He came to set the captive free. He came to make the crooked straight. He came to exalt the low places. He came to lighten the darkened world. He came to satisfy the law. He came to redeem the lost. He came to relieve the weary. He came to reconcile man with God. He came to be my ransom. That him because he lives says it right. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. Jesus came. I'm glad we can preach it tonight. Jesus came. He came to be Israel's consolation. He came to be the church's founder. He came to be the sinner's friend. He came to be the great physician. He came to be the wonderful counselor. He came to be our advocate. Jesus came. He came to be our daysman. He came to be our redemption. He came to be our lamb. He came to be our shepherd. He came to be our high priest. He came to be our Messiah. He came to break down the middle wall. He came to tear down the temple veil. 
He came to span the gulf. He came to lead captivity captive. He came to conquer death, hell, and the grave. He came to shed his blood and then go to the holy of holies of heaven and cover the mercy seat with his own blood. Jesus came. He came as the root of Jesse. He came as the heavenly David. He came as one better than prophet, angel, creation, or Old Testament. He came as our hope of glory and the glory of our hope. Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness. He came to conquer uh, death and take the sting from sin. He came to crush the head of the devil. He came. He came for you and he came for me in the nick of time when I could not go to where he was. Thank God he came to me. And I understand there's a lot of mess and I understand there's a lot of negativity and I understand there's a lot of bad news but I'm glad we have some good news. We can preach it to the world. We can shout it from the housetop. We don't have to be ashamed of it. It's still true today. It's a faithful saying. It's worthy of all acceptation. Don't miss it. Don't forget it. Don't neglect it. Christ Jesus came. He came to me when I was bound in chains of sin. He came to me when I possessed no hope within. He picked me up and drew me gently to his side where today in his sweet love I now abide. He came to me. He came to fulfill the type. He came as Adam's provided skin. He came as Noah's ark. He came as Abraham's promised seed. He came to fulfill Moses' law. He came as Joshua's commander. He came as the brazen serpent. He came as the scapegoat. He came as Jacob's ladder. He came as the Passover lamb. He came as that manna from heaven. He came as that water from the rock in Horeb. And tonight, rest your faith in him. In 2021, it won't change the truth that God is through 2020. The same Jesus that came. Thank God he still came. And he's still on the throne. Jesus came. All closed. We're out of time. Let me give you these three state, four statements from this verse. Number one. You look at this verse, this statement points to his person. Who is he? Christ Jesus. He's not just a philosopher, not just a teacher, not just a rabbi, not just a cool dude who started to click. He's God incarnate. As those little fingers wrapped around Mary's big hand, those were the same fingers that sculpted the galaxies. Those little feet that maybe she held are those same feet that later would walk on that water. That voice that cooed in her arms and that head that was laid upon her breast is that same voice that in the beginning spoke everything into existence. That same head that would bear a crown of thorns for you and I. Jesus said, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. Tonight, can I say there's not many gods, there's one God. And his name is not Allah. And his name is not Buddha. And his name is not whoever else you want to put on your mantle above the fireplace. There's only one God tonight, and I'm glad Christ Jesus came. His name is Jesus. Number two, this statement doesn't just point to his person, but it points to his passion. I'm glad it says he came. It doesn't say he was sent, even though we know God sent his son. But this shows us the fact that he didn't have to get sent. He would have come anyway. He wasn't pushed out of heaven, knocked over the pearly gates, and sent down to earth. But Jesus willingly stepped out to be a sacrifice for my sin and yours. Before the foundation of this world, he was a lamb slain. Before you ever drew breath, he purposed to shed his blood for you. I'm glad that we didn't just have a savior, but a willing savior. Number three, it doesn't just point to his person. He's Christ Jesus. Or his passion, he came. 
I like this. It points to his purpose. Why did he come? To save sinners. The blood of bulls and goats could never atone for sin. That just wouldn't do. I said eternal consequences, they demand an eternal sacrifice. A temporal sacrifice yields temporal atonement. We don't need that. We need eternal atonement. So why did Jesus come? I tell you why he came. He came for three nails and a wooden cross. He came to suffer in agony, be forsaken by the Father. He came to cry, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He came to extend grace and mercy to you and I who did not deserve either of those two things. Why did he come? To save sinners. You know what I love about that verse? It does not classify, it does not quantify, it does not put them in little groups and say this kind of sinner. It just says any sinner is a good enough sinner for Jesus to save. That means it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, or where you're from. It doesn't matter your skin color, your educational level. It doesn't matter your IQ, your weight. <clears throat> it's right after the holidays. It doesn't matter your weight, ladies. It doesn't matter. He died for your sins. You say, well, I don't think he'd save me. Oh, yeah, he'd save you. Billy Sunday said, God never turns anyone away who comes to him in earnest. And I say every sinner that ever came to Jesus for salvation, if they came to him in earnest, they left saved. But I like this last statement. It doesn't just point to his person. It doesn't just point to his passion. It doesn't just point to his purpose. It points to his power. Because Paul writes at the end of this, he came to save sinners, but watch what Paul says, of whom I am chief. Paul said, I tell you what, if he could save me, <clears throat> he could save anybody. If you only knew what I used to be, where I was and what I'd done, and you look at what God's done in my life, can I tell you, if he can reach down to where I was, he can grab you where you are. And tonight, I'm glad there's no case too hard. Amen. I was preaching in Detroit, Michigan many years ago, and up there, everything is just filthy in the wintertime, just dirt and snow and soot. And I saw a van... I believe it was a plumbing company, but it said there's no job too dark, too deep, or too dirty for us to clean up. I thought, boy, that's, that's a good slogan for Jesus. I'm glad there's no heart too dark, too deep, or too dirty in sin. But what, he could come and wash it and make it white as snow, he could clean it up. A dad was sitting his children down at Christmas time, and he said, let's make this the best Christmas ever. He said, this year we're not going to be selfish, we're going to do some good deeds for other people. Let's make it the best Christmas ever. And one of his small children said, Daddy, I don't think that's possible. How are you going to improve on the first one? And can I say there's no way to improve on that first one because the greatest gift ever given came to us at that first one. And here it is in our text verse tonight. Don't you forget it. Christ Jesus came. There's a lot of things that will change. A lot of people today move in the guideposts. But this is a landmark that is fixed forever. The fact that Christ Jesus came. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.